It's Let's Talk Bikes, baby. I'm your host, Bob Vigil. This episode is brought to you by the Squeaky Wheel Bike Shop, AB's local bicycle superstore. All right, let's get to it. Hello, all you bike nerds and cycling fanatics. Welcome to episode four of Let's Talk Bikes, where we talk about everything bicycle related. Today, we have the one and only Nick Hilton. For those who don't know, Nick is a professional mountain bike rider, photographer, videographer, inspirationalist. Uh, I feel like he's always been an unsung hero locally with the BMX and mountain bike world. Um, he's got a bag of wild tricks, his uh, extremely great work ethic. It gave him opportunities to travel the world doing what he loves. In this episode, we're, we're going to talk about some cool stuff, man. He, he, uh, from where he came from to traveling the world, how he got there, um, in episode one, and then it's going to be a part two where what's, what's, uh, Nick's doing next. And also, um, his report on his take on the Red Bull rampage. This is one of my favorite episodes so far. Um, a lot of fun stuff. So, uh, welcome in Nick. Thanks for having me. No problem, man. Glad to have you here. This is pretty awesome. I was looking forward to this. Um, you're a cool kid and got a lot of cool stories, so I was pretty excited about it. Well, thank you. Yeah, so Bye. before we get into all the meat of all this stuff, um, you know, I've known you for quite a while, and we knew you as No K Nick, and watching some of your videos, you have Nick No K also on your, I think your Instagram is the same way. So let's, let's talk about that real quick before, because I, I want to clear up the air on this. So... Uh, it technically was no K Nick because uh, Mike Miranda gave me that name. Oh yeah, old at, man, at old Hollywood. Yeah, and um, so he gave me that nickname because there was two Nicks at the bike shop, and Nick Tenuta introduced me as Nick with no K. Yep. And so Mike Miranda would say no K, and then I made my Instagram like a day or two later, and that's how it became Nick No K. All right. And uh, so what's what's funny about it though is. Unless you're like from this area or like Tatchby, it's Nick Knock. Everyone else calls me Nick Knock. They huh. read it as Nick Knock. So like all my f- mountain bike friends, I get the constant play on the Kesha song, the Nick Knock on the clock, oh. all the time. Nice. I've nice. actually even had to explain in YouTube videos. It's Nick No K. It's not Nick Knock. You know. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's kind of how that came about. Well, I can see how that could like just change from different things, but yeah. No K Nick was was the was the OG I think from what I felt like, but it's cool how it changed out and it works for you because it's clever. Um, so I know you've done a lot of cool things, um, but I want to start out with for you giving a shout out to everybody who's helping you out, your sponsors, like just to give everybody out there like maybe a a sense of um, you know who's helping you and how, how big things have got. I know you're always got something in the works, and it seems like on your uh, your Instagram or some of your videos, you got a lot of sponsors. So let's just talk about that just to, just to give them a little shout. Yeah. Um, so right now I have a signature frame with uh, Slater Bikes. Uh, it's a company out of Colorado. They make dirt jumper frames. Uh, they started with just like mostly kid size frames. They've like dominated like the kids dirt jumper and slope style market. Um, That's cool. And it was kind of just something cool to one. I was writing for Morpheus at the time. And they came out and were like, hey, you know, we'll do a signature frame. And for me, it was just like I already liked 
the geometry that they had came to me with. So I was like, yeah, I'll ride the frame and kind of just stood behind what they were trying to do, you know, getting more kids into it and making bikes that were accessible for like that age group. Cause I remember for me growing up, there were no dirt jumpers or slope style bikes. If you were under, you know, five, eight, like there was nothing. Yeah, that makes sense. I I know that, um, as time's gone on, guys have gotten more into jumping or downhill or any kind of like a little more on the sportier expert extreme side of things. Like it's been harder and harder for guys to get cool bikes for their kids because the bigger companies aren't doing it. So I, I can see you get behind that. That I'm all about the kids, and I think that's that's really cool to help promote kids doing cool stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's rad. And then you know, just we do a different color every year. We got another one in the mail right now. Nice. We're stoked to stoked to build that. Um, but then outside of them, uh, Shred Optics has been helping me out for the last four or five years now. I'm not familiar with, with, with that, like that line. What is that all about? So shred, uh, used to be, used to be shred and sly tech. They used to be, uh, like two different brands and they had Nyquist on sly tech for a long time. Uh, Kelly McGarry was on. I grew up watching Ryan. Yeah. It's been crazy yeah. riding with Ryan, like over the years, like weirdest <laughs> thing in my whole life. Never Legend. thought I would do that. Yeah. Legend. Um, but yeah, so, they had Kelly McGarry, so a lot of the shred gear now has the Magaza logos on it. Like their socks say Magaza, the help full face helmets say Magaza forever. Uh, but cool. yeah, so now it's just shred, and they do a lot of ski gear. But on the mountain bike side of things, they do multiple different types of knee pads. Uh, they do hip protection, they do back protection, uh, elbow, full face helmets. You know, and then obviously ski and snowboard helmets, and then goggles and sunglasses. So. They're, they're super rad and they've been super uh, supportive of like my new bike school venture and helping out the students with discounts and stuff. So they've been super helpful. And then, uh, recently just got onto RST suspension and, uh, that was actually really cool. Wasn't, uh, wasn't too familiar with RST. I'd known people who rode with them and, you know, they're not one of the, the main suspension companies that you usually hear of. But uh, I was like, hey, yeah, um, we'll try it and see how it works. And then when um, pretty much it's been like really smooth, even with them being like overseas, you know, it's been really smooth. Like the second I have a problem, I have everything gets fixed either from like a different local shop or uh, they have a different shop that they can just like ship one to me from. Like, so it's been it's been smooth and because they're smaller, like they actually like are there when I need them. I wouldn't say they're smaller. I would say they're, they're pretty massive. Like they build a lot of suspension, but I think that like they're making the big push. And usually when you have somebody like that making the big push, like they'll go kind of out of their way to help out like yeah. their new line. And, um, which is, that's really cool. Yeah. It's nice to have, it's, it's nice to be like, if you're got a, big suspension brand that supports top athletes around the world. Like sometimes you get shuffled, maybe, you know, if you're trying to come up and do big things and promote somebody. So it's nice that they are paying attention to you and helping you out a lot. That's, that's, that's super helpful. Yeah. And then, you know, those are my three like official sponsors, but definitely partially sponsored by Reed Boggs and Ethan (laughs) Nell. Uh, they give me shoes and pants, uh, 
whatever kind of is in yeah. the garage at the time. And they're like, hey, you want this? Sure. Dude, <laughs> mountain biking in, in a, as a whole, like, is such a, a, a buddy sport. Like, oh, yeah. everyone's got a buddy that helps them out. Even here, like, I've, you know, my customers have other friends that are helping out with this or that. Like, it, it, it's such a cool sport. Everybody's so cool. And having guys who are at that level just be like, yeah, dude, you're cool. Hear me help you out. Like, you know, yeah. I want to see you succeed too. Like, that's, that's pretty cool. And those guys are always getting cool stuff, so. Yeah, they get lots of cool stuff. Yeah, lots By of the stuff. box load. Yeah, yeah. I remember, like, Caselli, Kurt used to, like, everywhere you went, he'd bring, like, a, a case of Red Bull everywhere. Like, he had so much of it. Didn't, I mean, he didn't care. Like, he just throwing it out like it was nothing. Like, oh, yeah, it's, just, it's free. Yeah, it's free. Yeah. And, you know, he's promoting it at the same time. Like, he's doing his job, and <laughs> which, is, which is super cool. That's pretty awesome. Um, all right, so. Let's talk about, like, what are you into right now? Like, what, today, yesterday, this week? Like, I just want to know, like, you just got back from Rampage. We'll get into that. Maybe a little teaser. But, like, what what are you into right now just with the day-to-day life of of, uh, of Nick Hilton? Uh, well, right now, I would say I'm very into my van. Uh, live full-time in a van now with my girlfriend and our cat. Our cat has diabetes, so that's a <sighs> that's a mission, you know. Insulin shots twice a day, but uh very into the van. The van stresses me out because I'm always afraid there's going to be a leak or a cabinet's going to fall off the wall I'm driving because I built it, you know. So yeah. you can't overestimate my building abilities. Dang. I would have a 100 leaks. Yeah, I <laughs> the shower leaked for a while, so I didn't use it for 10,000 miles at least, <sighs> but we're at 24,000 now, and I've used it three times. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. I mean, but, it's, that's fan life, though. Yeah, but no, that's that's super fun, uh, mostly because, like, just opens up a lot of opportunity because I'm able to pretty much just at the drop of a hat go to wherever opportunity was. Like, we were in Utah planning to stay for, you know, another week, and then my friend that does uh, shoots pretty big music videos down in L.A., needed help on a Monday. So I left the next day and went home just so I could help him with that. Cause I, cause I could, Dang. uh, so that's been fun. Uh, which leads me to my next thing that I'm very into always have been. is just film, film and photography, always trying to produce better stuff. A lot of stuff doesn't come out, film a lot of stuff that never, uh, never comes out, but I feel like film and photography for me is the exact opposite of riding bikes. There's no, there's no potential injury. There's no, uh, there's no real like fear, but yet it still produces like anxiety. Like before a shoot, like I get very anxious. I get very nervous. I just know that at least at the end of the day, I'm not going to hurt myself. I mean, I agree. I think it's one of the same though. Like I look at it in terms of uh, creativity, like bike riding, it's all about being creative. Like even if you just go on a single like bike ride in the trails, like hit this line, hit that berm, hit this, kick the wheel out. Like, I mean, at a base level, you're being creative with yourself, what you could do. You do this at a very extreme level, being a you know professional athlete that you're trying to backflip huge drops or doing some crazy stuff. So when you're filming, you're probably minds working in the same aspect that you're just trying to be creative and you want it to be the best you can. So I think it's the same, but yet no fear. Like you're not worried about getting hurt for sure. You just don't want to drop the camera. Yeah, <laughs> that's luckily the only thing. insurance. Yeah. Insurance pay for that. Yeah, but for the most part, like you know, if you're a creative mind, I think it just goes together. Like I, I'm sitting sitting in front of this iPad that I got, and I really got it just so I could start doing my own artwork because I've always wanted to do graphic design. Like I always had this like back like 
my mind's like, God, it'd be cool to go to college to learn how to do graphic design and design some stuff and work on art. And, and I, cause I like to draw a pencil. And so I've been designing a lot of my own like stuff lately. And right. like same thing, like you said, doesn't come to like video doesn't actually make it to the screen, but it's learning how to do it and make mistakes and then change. And so I've been doing kind of the same thing. It's kind of fun for me. So it's just being creative in another way. It kind of sets apart from everything else I do. Yeah. It de-stresses me a little bit too, though, other than like for you, maybe it stresses you out. But for me, it's like to sit there and like, create something I think is cool in my mind and think, Oh, that sucks. Let me try it again. And it's kind of fun. Yeah. I think there's like a, there's definitely like a soothing aspect to it. Yeah. It's like sometimes, especially if you know, you don't really have like an end goal or what you're really trying to do with it. It's kind of just like taking it day by day and like enjoying the process of it. I think that's what everything has been for me, riding bikes and filming photography. Yeah. It's for me, it's just about the process. I never, never thought that I would like, compete professionally on a bike never thought i would make a living with photography i've done both of those things but for me it's like i don't know i think i think there's like this uh i have like a fixation with problem solving Mm. and for some reason i think i wouldn't say for some reason i mean it's pretty out there but like every thing that i do when it was like building the van or you know like i said film photography bike riding there's so much problem solving involved in all of those things and right. it's like probably one of my favorite things to do is like be faced with something that's like a struggle yeah and work find a way to work through it see how that like transitions from like bikes to that like to it's like you, you when you land something big that you were struggling with in your mind and you, you, when you accomplish that it's a big thing when you finish a video like and you like it you're like dang i just yeah. made that that's pretty cool like you know and then you got you know we'll get a bit more into the the whole bicycle thing, but like if you're helping people with that, like it's another aspect of like success, right? Like if you land a big trick, it's a success. If you make a video that you like and you get, you know, a whole bunch of likes and views and people are like, dude, that was sick. It's a success. So to me, it's, it's a good way to go about it. Cause it also separates to like, you're doing things, but you're creating. So you're, you're actually able to, to see the process in another light. So it goes along with what you like. So that's pretty cool. I, I really dig that. I'm on my board for sure. Um, so looks like you were, so you're born or raised in Bishop. Yes. And man, racing, you're going to snowboard. So racing and competing, we're doing tricks or just racing on snowboards. Uh, both. Oh, nice. Yeah. So yeah, our high school had a snowboard team, uh, which, uh, should be called snowboard individual. Because it was definitely not a team sport. I was out there to win by myself, you know. That's um, if someone else got last place, I could still win. <laughs> Whereas, like, if I was on the baseball team and I got last place, that means the whole team got last place. But you were, I mean, you're the only one on the team. No. Okay. No. So there was, uh, I think our team each year was, like, between, like, 10 and 15 people. Oh, okay. um, but, like I said, it's, a, it's the snowboard team. You practice together. But on race day, it's it's individual. You know, it's not like it's not in pairs. It's just okay. we're racing giant slalom and slalom. Um, just you know, you set a time, and then you go back up. They re rack the top ten in reverse order, and then you set your second time and hope it's like that you're mountain on the biking. Top. It's like yeah, yeah, totally. It's just yes. like slalom, yeah, yeah. Uh, except you're not paired. You're not racing against somebody else. You're racing against the other hundred people. Oh, it's all on the same course. Oh dang! It's not side by side. That's crazy. Yeah, and then I did. 
I did uh, not through high school, just through like the USASA, uh, like half pipe, rail jam, slope style. Uh, I was definitely a better racer. Uh, I did win a couple rail jams. Never won a slope style event in snowboarding, but ironic, right? Yeah, like you end up doing like the stuff you're doing now. But I mean, I like racing, so I'm okay with that. I'm not a tricks guy. Um, I know that, like I watched Palmer growing up racing. You know, the border cross stuff. And that oh, yeah. was so sick. Like, I just, I envied everything he did. So I was a huge fan. My big, I was probably the, like, I have posters of him, like, six foot tall still. Like, took from, like, Answer Products when I left. Like, sick. yeah, because I just, everything he did just was gold to me. Um, from from that to racing Pikes Peak and stuff. Like, it was just so cool. And, and snowboarding was rad to watch him pump through those little moguls and, like, just pull away from everybody. So, oh, yeah. I, yeah, I love the racing stuff. Looks like you got into some theater, man. You 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 did a lot of stuff, musical theater, um, production, and performing. I mean, did you like that? I mean, did that, was that you? Oh, yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it. so that's the thing. Like, I just like I said, I just enjoy the process of things. Like, I never, I never get into anything with an outcome in mind. I just do it because I want to do it in that moment. Like. I don't know. T- tomorrow I might wake up and be like, I want to be a barber. Maybe I'll just try to learn how to be a barber. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Um, but uh, no, musical theater. Uh, I tried to get into acting when I was like younger, younger. And then uh, in fifth grade, we did some like little production. And the, the teacher told my mom that I was like really good or something. And I was like a really shy kid. And even throughout throughout high school, I was decently a shy kid but once i got on stage it was not like that i did uh, like two or three productions a year i was the lead in multiple things i was charlie and willy wonka on the chocolate factory that's super cool yeah i did a lot of stuff like that and then uh, i played in the orchestra for a couple of the plays played the drums in the orchestra so i was like always involved in theater and i think that's kind of common though i mean i've heard of a lot of like actors who are super introverted but they get in the set and they're just like crazy, you know, they're all into it. And I, I think that's just your creative side again. Like you just get creative when you're in that moment. And, and yeah, it's like a, it's almost like, it's like an artistic side. And it's like, I think when you're up there, you know, you're not being you, you're putting on a, a performance and like, you know, if I were to have to go up there and write my own material and then get up there and do it, I think that'd be really difficult. Uh, but when it comes to theater, you know, you're you're in character. Or if it's, if it's improv, right. you know, there's nothing. You're just going up there and making the best of what's happening. So you're not really relying on just writing your own yeah. material, which would be scary. I'll say a lot of stuff I do is definitely built off inspiration, not so much like I just dreamt it. Like, yeah, yeah. What that and that's I think that's great because same thing with like tricks. Like you take someone's trick. I think you watch one of your videos and you're, you know, watching. You know, you watch somebody else and you. And you see what they did and you see what you're doing wrong and you back to back, point the toes, elbows in, like, you, you know, so it's kind of the same thing. Like you're taking someone else and you want to build on it or make it better. So when you're, I don't know, it makes sense. You got into a lot of things, drama, choir, photography, band. Oh yeah. That was my senior year. I was pretty over, I was pretty over school. So <laughs> the only classes that I actually had to do were English and government. Huh. And so I, Dropped calculus so that I could be in drama class. And then I was in band since middle school. So I kept band, joined the choir, and took a photography class. So that was my schedule. I went to drama, 
Then I went to English. Then I went to photography, government, lunch, choir, band, home. It was an easy year. That was your senior? Yeah, it was my senior yeah. year. And I spent a lot of time snowboarding. I missed a lot of school. Yeah. A lot of school with snowboard. <laughs> I think I did 4-4. Four, four. And I did like auto shop, art class, and then like a couple things I had to take. I just was home. Like, and I went home, ride my bike. Like, yeah, <laughs> that was it. Like, same thing. Like, just wanted to get out of there. Like, that was it. Um, so, looks like um, you were in a music video. You did some improv shows. Man, it's just, it's just kind of just all just falling in line here at all the stuff you did. Like, which kind of leads to now. Like, you're doing like the same type of stuff. So it's not like you just started making videos. Like this is a long time coming. And like, oh yeah, no, I was, you know, I was the kid that borrowed my parents, you know, tape video camera just so we could put it in the little VCR thing, put it in the one that sat on your shoulder and you had yeah. to hold like one hand real grip real tight. Yeah, I loved watching myself on the big screen. <laughs> That's cool. Or the what was then a big screen? We yeah, didn't have like really a, a big twenty TV. inch. Yeah, probably like a twenty five inch TV, <laughs> a big old box. They just came out with like picture in picture or something back then. Yeah. No, that was, yeah, that was me. And then, like I said, I, uh, I originally went to college to major in musical theater and that's when I really started riding bikes a lot. You know, I learned how to flip when I was in high school and do some basic tricks, but I would only ride bikes in the summertime because I didn't want to hurt myself from, for the snowboard season. Right. Um, and then once I moved away, and snowboarding was no longer going to be free. Then I, you know, started riding a lot more bikes. Uh, my classes, uh, because I was going to school in Santa Clarita, I only wanted to go three days a week instead of five. And so I would have like this five hour break because I would go to school from like eight to like one or two. And then my next class wouldn't be until like six, six thirty. So I'd go to the skate park in between that. Nice. Got really good at riding bikes. Like progression started to happen and I wanted to drop out. Now, that's after you moved here to town, right, to Lancaster? Yeah. That was after, yeah, once I graduated, moved here about two weeks later. Um, but, yeah, we, uh, I wanted to drop out of college, and my mom said, no, you had a scholarship, you're going to finish. <laughs> so I changed my major, dropped everything about musical theater and improv, and got the quickest degree I could, which was accounting. So I got a degree in accounting and then never, never looked back. That seems a lot harder to get, though. Yeah, but it took less classes. Uh, and I, I like was good so, at math. I love how you took accounting, but you're real calculated about it. Like, <laughs> at the same <laughs> yeah. time. Yeah. So it meant to be. Yeah. And then it led you to do more more bike stuff. It seems like um, you had more friends, just got into bikes. Um, and then you found Woodward. Yeah. Right? Yeah, Woodward. Uh, definitely, you know, started going to Woodward throughout that, like, last year that I was in college um, because I had the connections now and uh once i was going to woodward you know once or twice a month at that time the the progression really started to just like stack and i was riding with a lot of people who were much better than me and then also people who were kind of right where i was and we just fed off each other how can you not i mean it's woodward i mean yeah you go there and you have to progress like unless you're just not into it like the place i've never been there but i've seen all the videos and like that place is like the Disneyland. Like you, oh, yeah. you have to progress. Like you, you're going to want to flip into the, the pit. Like you're going to want to do all that stuff. So, I mean, what, you know, you, at that point you're on a BMX bike. Yeah. And like, what was like your big trick? What was the coolest stuff you're doing then? Like, what do you feel like 
was like the pinnacle of, of, of Nick, like at that time, what was, what were you doing? What were you achieving for like, to do? So, um, you know, I was always, always been into more of the flips and the spins and like the big flashy tricks other than other, I don't really care to do like all the little technical stuff. Um, so I really just like 2013 ish, uh, my biggest mission pretty much was like, I need to, you know, do a double backflip. And, uh, I tried it. I mean, I did it in the foam pit a lot. And then I tried it once one morning at summer camp when I was supposed to be instructing and I was instructing, I was just riding with my campers and it was probably not the best trick to try. Anyways, I got scared, let go after one and landed on like the back of my neck pretty much on the landing. And then I realized like, you know what? I don't actually need to do this trick. And, you know, when you said, uh, you know, when you go to Woodward, you have to progress. And I, and I was going to kind of jump in and say, the problem is that you hit this point where things start to get really scary yeah. and you either keep doing them to make them not scary or you, you bow down and you yeah. step back. I, I guess I was just meaning like, like that's the kind of place, like if you want to progress, like you're going to do it there. Oh, yeah. Like it's Absolutely. the place. Yeah. Now, I mean, this is probably a, this is a random question, but was the double, was that from like Pastrana? Like, oh, I was definitely in my grandma's living room in 2006 watching that live yeah, when has he to, did that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, Dave Mira from 2000, um, you know, Corey Nastasio used to double flips, Stephen Murray used to double flips. Like, double flip for me, because I, I was doing them on snowboards, okay. like into the, the airbag and stuff yeah. when they would set that up. So I knew I could double flip. I always did them on trampolines. And so I was like, oh, I need to do it. Anyways, like I said, I totally crashed. Yeah. Said I wasn't going to do it. And then like three months later, uh, did the exact opposite. So instead of only doing one flip and letting go, I did like two and a half and landed on my back again. Over rotated. Yeah. And then I would say now, since then, you know, I did about a week later after that second crash, land one. And then I tried to do it on the mega ramp. I thought that was the next step. Once I'd landed one, I figured I should do it on the mega ramp. Landed upside down on my head. Uh, but then, uh, did do it on the mega ramp, landed it a couple weeks later. And now I would say I've probably done between 250 and 300 double flips. And I've only crashed on like one other one. Nice. So I've had a. Well, I imagine good you run. were like in between the, the flips, you were trying to calculate. Yeah, you've got a spot. <laughs> You yeah, got to do one flip, and then you, like, tilt your head down, and you look for the landing. And so the very first time I saw the landing, it scared me. I let go. The second time, I didn't see the landing, and so I thought I was going to under-rotate. Missed wheels and everything landed on my back. But now that I've got the spot figured out, uh, you know, it just yeah. was, was easy. I mean, it's crazy because back then, like, double backflips were, like, like unheard of before oh, yeah. that. You know, and then you're doing them. And then like it, Travis did like three, and then like the world oh, yeah. just set the world on fire with that. Like, but it, yeah, then now it's ludicrous. Everything's just crazy. Oh yeah, double flip. It's kind of like you show up to a mountain bike contest now. Uh, back then, uh, 2015, when I first started, it wasn't. But you show up to a contest now. It's kind of like instead of being like, oh, who's gonna do a double flip? It's kind of like now you're like, okay, everyone's gonna double flip. Which jump am I gonna double flip that nobody else is? You kind of gotta like pick a different jump or 
at least be the first one to do it in practice. That way everyone had to follow you, you know, because if you set the tone, right. then everyone else is going to follow. That's got to be a crazy game to play with all your buddies, like who's going to like sneak oh, yeah. a trick on what jump. So that way you, you, they don't want to jockey like, yeah. And that, or, or throw a trick in in between it, like, you know, a no hander or something. Or, oh yeah. People doing double flip, no handers in the mountain bikes now. And it's, that's scary. I'm not going to do that. I don't need to do that. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff these guys, you guys are doing. is just scary to guys like me. It just makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> so everything is, I mean, that's, that's pretty sick. I mean, and then, I mean, you did a bunch of stuff. Looked like you did some really cool, um, tell me about, I mean, I know we can go on forever, but tell me about that little video you did for, um, that put you on to ride BMX and vital. Like what was, what was that about? Like seeing it went something that was the mega ramp, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So in 2014, this was my last, it was my last hurrah on a BMX bike. It was right before I switched to mountain bikes. Um, so remember I said, I tried that double flip on the mega ramp and I landed on my head and, uh, but I was like riding the mega ramp by myself. There was always people there, but they were just standing there. I was like the only one dumb enough to ride it, I guess. And so, uh, I was doing like front flips on it and I really couldn't front flip before that. So I was just doing them on the mega ramp cause it worked. It felt like snowboarding. Was and the landing like sloped perfectly. So if you under over whatever, you just roll out. Like, uh, slide yeah, out. you could, um, you could get away and still ride out. Um, but if you did fall on the mega ramp, there wasn't a lot of impact when you landed you just had to deal with major skin burns because oh. you'd slide so fast. It would like melt through your pads. That sounds nice. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah, um, nice. But so I just was like, you know, I've never had like a proper video that someone else filmed. And my friend Seb at Woodward uh, was a filmer. And I was like, hey, I'll pay you to make me a Meg Ramp video. So we went out there and um, I learned how to front flip no-hander on the Meg Ramp for that video. I cash rolled the ramp. I double flipped the ramp, did a cork seven, was doing flip whips on it. And so, you know, no one rides the mega ramp just for like for well, a session. Well, it's called a mega ramp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and no one rides it for a session and no one like puts out like a, a web edit on the mega. So I had like kind of like this, like, you know, I had three, three aces when we put that out because it was like one, who, who is Nick Hilton? Nobody knows who that is Two. Who sessions the mega ramp and where's this pink bike coming from? Cause I had a pink bike. Hilarious. And so, yeah, I, I just remember for like a week straight, I would check vital and ride and it would have the top 10 videos up there. And it was number one. I saw screenshots of that. Cause it's like the highlight. Dude, that's so sick. It was, it was sick. And, uh, yeah. So basically just to like wrap that up into the, the mountain bike start. Once I did that, I was like, oh, I want to compete in X games, mega. And uh, Hoffman Association said, no. Uh, they were like, you need to compete in the Kia World Extreme Games in Shanghai to be able to do that. So I was like, all right, who do I contact to do these world games? And they were like, oh, this is who you contact. So at this point, you know, like, you know, this is what you're doing. Like, yeah. that, that's what it sounds like. You're, you're like, you're doing these tricks, you're making a video, it goes big, and you, you now know that. Um, I'm just, just, I'm just spitballing here. Like, you now know that putting yourself out there, right? You got a flashy bike, you're doing something no one's doing and it's getting attention. And now you got a piece of it. It sounds like yeah. and you're like, I'm hungry. Give me some more. And now I want to go big. And that, that's really cool. So yeah, keep going. Just- yeah. And so, 
Um, yeah, they were like, yeah, you contact this person for Kia Extreme Games, and uh, you know, let it be known, Kia Extreme Games is a mini mega competition. It's not a full mega ramp. It's a mini mega. It's it's much much smaller. And so when I sent them the mega ramp video, they said, oh, this is cool. But do you have any video of you riding smaller ramps? Because this what? the mini mega is not the same as the real mega ramp. And we mostly want vert ramp riders. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, okay. So I spent like two months trying to get really good at riding the vert ramp. And that is very scary. And yeah. so uh, I didn't feel like I was ever really getting there. Where were you doing that at? Uh, we don't have vert ramps. Oh, okay, so we don't yeah. have them out here other than Woodward. You weren't no, doing it in town. No, riding the vert ramp at Woodward. I was riding it like every day, okay. trying to progress, probably pushing into that like uh, trying too hard category. Things were getting kind of dangerous. And then literally one day I was just like, I don't want to ride the vert ramp anymore. And I was seeing videos of dudes riding big jumps on mountain bikes and riding slope style. So I asked my friend Jake if I could borrow his bike. And pretty much never went back to BMX after that. I just had my eyes set on just jumping big jumps and traveling and doing slope style. What a, what a crazy transition. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really abrupt. But I think it was just riding the mega ramp I liked because it reminded me of snowboarding. It's just big jumps, like big tricks that were more simple, like just big and flashy. So I was like, oh, that's what mountain yeah. biking is, big yeah, and flashy. Those- those guys, the vert guys, they're doing really technical stuff. Yeah, really, and it's a very dangerous ramp. On a bike, it's very dangerous compared to a skateboard. Well, when they're they're flipping or twisting like their back tire. You see, barely comes around, and they're just, just oh, yeah. right off the bottom. Like it's they're they're pushing it. Yeah, and it's so easy on the vert ramp when you get into the air. You have to like you have to really kind of almost compress off the ramp. So that you feel like when you're in the air, your shoulder is like over the coping. You almost feel like you're going to land on the deck. And if you don't feel like you're going to land on the deck, you're landing at the bottom of the ramp. Like, and that's how airing the mega ramp quarter is too. You, you push so hard through the ramp because, you know, it is vert. You got two feet of vert on that. And if you don't feel like at the peak of your air that you're going to come straight down onto the deck, you're going like another 15 feet down into the flat bottom. Like it's so easy to just get a little too much bounce. From I'm getting like goosebumps right now. Like, thinking <laughs> about it. Like, ugh, that's cool though. I mean, at least, you know, like then like what at least you wanted to do. Yeah. And mountain biking was it. Yeah. More, more on the bigger stuff. So at that point, did you go get a new bike? Were you borrowing Jake's bike? What were you doing? Uh, yeah, I, I borrowed Jake's bike for my entire first season of professional competition. It's a good dude. Yeah, good no, dude. it was good. And then uh, he actually convinced Specialized to warranty me a new bike for no reason, and then we we kept the frame anyways. We sent him back a little corner of the frame, and so I still have that frame up nice. in my garage. Yeah. It's just missing a dropout. Good, good keeper. Yeah, but no, yeah, it was uh, it was crazy just riding a borrowed bike, but it was the only mountain bike that I had ever ridden, like the only. Right slope style bike and uh so i didn't know anything different and it was nice and i got a i got a top five at a pro event i was on the podium with with nikolai rogatkin and simon godziak and matt jones so that was that was sick so that that leads up to basically like i mean at this point you're mountain biking you're doing some free ride and um i think you said something about doing um 
that's you know earlier about where actually I'm reading here about some doing downhill too. So you're 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 fully engulfed in the mountain bike side right now. Yeah, absolutely. So now you're jumping off cliffs. Um, and how did you go from like doing the slope style type stuff, jumping off cliffs to like going to Europe? Um, like, how did you get from just doing that to Europe? Like, uh, so actually, Europe happened uh, very shortly after the mega ramp because mountain bike events are almost all European. So basically in early 2015, I decided that I wanted to compete in mountain bikes and there was three events happening. One was in Austria and then there was two in Switzerland and they were about a month apart. And I was like, okay, if I can go to this one contest in Austria and do well, then I can have enough money to fly back. And, uh, uh, I didn't have to do that. That's the counting in you. Yeah, I didn't have to. I didn't have to do that because I was happened to be friends on Facebook with another rider from Italy, and he actually let me stay for that whole month at his house. So, which is good because I didn't do well in that first event at all. Um, but no, yeah, I just got a passport, booked a ticket, flew there by myself. I'd never been out of the country. I'd never flown by myself, and then I landed in Austria. And you know, people were asking me if I. Sp- the Deutsch, and I'm like, I don't know why we need a bigger Uber. Yeah, you know, they're like, you can't bring that on this. They're yelling at me in German. They're like, you can't bring the bike in this Uber. I'm like, well, we'll get a bigger one. It's <laughs> funny. So how did you? I mean, just so my mind, you know, I was, you know, if I was when I was that young, like, how do you just get like, like also I'm just gonna go to Europe. Like, do you do you have money? Do you saving? Like, were you working? Like, how did you just get like? You didn't even have a, your own bike at the time, barely. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, how did you even get like to where you're like, yeah, I'm just gonna go get a passport and just buy a plane ticket and just go wing it. Like, how was your what was your mindset? Like, how did that happen? Um, my mindset was full on. I thought that I was gonna win some prize money. I thought that I was a little bit better than I actually was. I did win prize money. I did. I I did do pretty well in a in at least one of the events. Um, did better than I thought in most of them, but did win prize money because I got a top five and one. Um, but I had s- some money saved. I had like $2,000 saved. Uh, plane ticket cost about 1200. Yeah. So I had about $800 to make a month in wow. Europe. And why I was okay spending all of that is I had already had a show gig for the entire summer lined up that started mm-hmm. about eight days after I was going to get home. And that's like a, you know, contract for like 15 grand for the summer. So I knew I was going to be able to, as long as I can make it through the first two weeks of that show, I would be fine. But otherwise, yeah, I came home uh, two years in a row, 15 and 16 had the same setup. And I came home with like $20 in my bank account and I was eating cans of tuna and lettuce from the cafeteria at the theme park for two weeks when I got home, depleted the bank account twice. So let me get this straight. You, you had just enough money to get there hoping that you had enough money to be there hoping you weren't going to get hurt so when you got back you had a gig that would fund you for the next go around doing crazy shit trying to win money super cool man it, it, risk you know like you got to take risks sometimes the the risk to reward is pretty good and um it's a good feeling that you, you you've come all this way like taking the risk like cuz not too many people 
would do that, I think. That's funny because until right now when you said that, I don't think I'd ever thought that if I got hurt on the, one of those trips, I wouldn't have a show gig all summer. But of course you didn't. You were young and yeah, you were like, I just now I would it. think about that. You know, now, but now I would think about it. When I'm old, I think about things like that now. But, but when I was young, I, I probably wouldn't have, you know, like I would think like, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to go for it, you know, but, but that's cool. That's what makes it, that's what makes memories awesome. Right. Oh, like, yeah. you look back and like how cool things were and how you did things you wouldn't really normally do now. Like it's pretty badass. I think it's super awesome. Um, uh, so, so let's see here. So now here, got your van. I got notes here. You're like jumping off cliffs, drinking some beer now, enjoying life. It sounds like yeah. traveling around freedom and got your girlfriend. You got a little kitty. Um, it's pretty cool to, to go from all that to, now just kind of still doing what you want. I mean, traveling around and um, be where you want to be. Um, and now you're, how'd you get into photography? And I mean, it, I mean, I know you did some of that early on, but like, how did you get into it um, on a serious, like serious side, like where you think you can make some money with just doing photography and some video stuff? So what really pushed me uh, to get into photography was, I had a camera since I was in high school. Um, like I had like a photo camera and never took photos with it. And when I went to Europe for that first, that first trip, that month long, right. It was almost two months, that two month long, uh, contestant. I didn't bring it. I made a, made a decision. I was like, should I bring it? Should I not? I don't want to bring it. So I have, with the exception of like a few phone photos and a couple photos that I had taken of me at events, I have almost no like photographic record of that trip. Is it because you wanted to stay focused on like, I just didn't want to carry it around. Oh, and I wasn't back then I was taking videos of myself, but I was never really taking pictures. And, uh, later that fall, I was kind of just like, or I guess, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Later that fall, I, after doing those shows, I was kind of like, if I'm going to be traveling around like this, like, I need to be taking some pictures, you know, yeah. like my mom, my grandma, everyone was kind of like, you don't have any pictures. No, I don't have any pictures. And so, uh, I actually, again, I kind of just make impulsive decisions sometimes. So instead of just learning <laughs> who, how to, who doesn't, yeah. Instead of just learning how to like use the camera that I already have, I was like, you know what, you know, it'll force me to learn how to take pictures. I'm gonna buy the most expensive camera I can. I walked into Best Buy, applied for a credit card, bought a $3,500 photo camera. And uh, then I was like, well, I should probably start charging people to take photos so that way I can pay this thing off. And uh, yeah, at first it was uh, it was kind of just like a joke. I wasn't very good at it. I just took photos of whatever, did some family photos and stuff. And then uh, when I was actually starting to get decent at portraits, uh, someone from Bishop, who was like a close family friend, he is a very established wedding photographer and he's like, Oh, you should shoot a wedding with me. And I was like, no, I don't, I have no interest in that. And then, so I did it with him and then I ended up shooting 17 weddings with him that year. And now I've shot about 50 on my own since then. That's that creative side though. Like you probably got challenged, right? Oh yeah. You got challenged and then it's the same with me. Like you get challenged and then all of a sudden you want to like go up and beyond what what you thought it was going to be and be challenged more. Oh yeah. And I'm very competitive with it. Yeah, like oh, yeah. you should see me 
it's bad to say, but you should see me. Like if I walk through a park or something and I see, or like a, any kind of like nature preserve and I see someone doing a photo shoot with someone else, I'm immediately judging them. I'm like, that's not going to look good. Like I can already tell in my head. I'm like, yeah. Shallow, what is that going to look like? Shallow's the same way. She did some photography of animals with a friend who's a professional photographer, uh, D hunter. And so now she's very picky about photos and she looks at everything. I don't, you know, like, Oh yeah. And I'm like, this is fine. She's like, um, no, look at this, 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 and this. I'm like, oh, dang, that's why I don't take photos. And my photos stay in my camera. She takes her own. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She'll be like, I'll take a hundred. She'll be like, this one's good. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So that's cool. That dude, I mean, it just really just falls in line with, um, all your creative, all the work you've done, all the challenges, um, the competitiveness, like just falls in line. It's super cool. I really think it's really rad. I mean, and then now you're, I'm just trying to move along. I mean, now, so you, now you got this bike school thing and you're helping with kids and man, I, that is my favorite thing ever. And I'm working on some things that I'm going to release myself that I'm working with kids right now. Um, I don't know if you know about it, but let, tell me about, you know, the bike school, like where did, how'd that start? And like, uh, what's your goal? What's your dream with that? Uh, you know, so being a photographer and videographer, like you do a lot of your, unless you want to pay for film school, you do a lot of your learning online and, uh, YouTube is yes, can be very beneficial. You can learn a lot on YouTube. The problem with YouTube is that you, you don't know what you don't know. And it wasn't until like my photography and video skills did not start to elevate until I started investing in, in real education, people who are really willing to slow everything down and, you know, fill in all the holes and play things in an order that are actually going to like make improvements instead of, you know, spending hours searching for something that's missing on YouTube when you don't really know what you're looking for. And, um, so I was pretty much like, Hey, no one has tapped into that. Like, you know, I mean, people have done clinics and everything, but I feel like no one has really tapped into online education for like progressing on, on bikes. And, you know, we've gone through a lot of kind of trial and error with it because at first we were like, okay, what if we just make the most crazy in-depth how-to videos we can? So we made like 60 how-to videos and we have, that's insane. We have plenty. I mean, by the time we quit doing bike school, there's probably going to be 500 videos on that course because it's just so in-depth. But what we realized at first, cause we were like, okay, this is just an online course. Yeah. We'll have a private community. People can join. They can ask questions. But then after getting our first 15, 20, 25 students in, we started realizing what the actual value of having this online education is me and Doug actually being able to have conversations with our students, view their videos, give them feedback. We do some like one-on-one -on -one Zoom calls, try to figure out like when, when a student joins, we do like a one-on-one -on -one Zoom call where we figure out kind of where they're at what some of their goals are. And then we kind of see where we can start helping them. And like I said, we'll, we'll pull up on, on these zooms videos of our students and we will draw on the screen and kind of be like, okay, if you're doing this manual right here, uh, you know, you need to make sure that when you're initiating your body and your hips, they need to be more down here right now. They're up here and you notice this elbow is bent and this one is not, this is what's causing you to tip over to the left and so like kind of doing a mix between, okay, 
if you want to just watch the videos and you can learn a lot from them, because you can, you can learn a lot from the videos. If you want to just watch those and you don't really want to participate in the group, that's fine. But if you want to watch the videos, then apply it, then send it to us, and then we will kind of build off of that. That's awesome. So you you start this as like a fun thing yeah. to, to help teach people. And then you realize partly through through that you um, had a lot to offer more yeah. than just like, hey, we're just going to do some how-tos. That That's pretty cool. I mean, it, it I've learned that it takes a special person to teach somebody things. You can know things. But that doesn't mean you could teach people something. It's a special skill. I, I, I'm, I mean, I remember asking Kirk Caselli how to jump a dirt bike, and he just said, "Gas it, bro." <laughs> and I was like, "Wait, wait, wait!" It, I mean, that doesn't make no sense to me. Like coming from mountain biking, like you don't just just go off a lip. Like no, you definitely don't. No, so you like I, so he was like, I felt like at that moment, I don't know if he was just joking with me, but I was like, in my mind, I was like, "You're a terrible teacher." Like. You just go race dirt bikes. Like you're not teaching me anything right now. And I really want to know how to jump like this 60 foot table. Like, how do you do it? So just gas it. I'm like, no, no, it doesn't make any sense. My mind just thinks like there's gotta be a, a body position, a push here, a throttle here, a, you know, gas brake, something like just give me some more insight. So I think, um, it's a special skill. So I think that's, that's pretty awesome that you could realize halfway through that you have like something going for you. Now at that point where you, realizing that you sound like you, you knew you had a business now, like you can kind of, or was it just still for fun? Like just doing it for free? Oh no, it's, it's definitely always been a business okay. venture Good. from the beginning. The, um, the whole, the whole reason to spend a year scripting, filming, editing videos was definitely never, okay. uh, for free. No, it was always, it was always a business thing, but, uh, satisfaction and helping people progress is always over the the money for me. Right, yeah. Um, Doug, Doug and I both, we would rather have 50 students who we actually help progress than 500 students that we can't actually help progress. Like we would rather do that. And, uh, you know, to what you said about teaching takes a special person. Um, you know, a lot of people say those that can't do teach, I would like to say to those that can't teach do um, because I think there's this funny thing where a lot of people who are really good at something have actually no idea what they're doing. Makes sense. Like my friend Nikolai, uh, Nikolai Rogatkin, if you ever ask that dude for advice on a trick, you're going to crash. Like (laughs) we laugh for, we laugh at him all the time because he's so, so good at riding bikes, but like he's not the only one either, but He's just funny because like, I, I almost think everything is just happening for him so naturally and subconsciously that there's a lot of times he like, isn't even thinking about what he's having to do. He could just visualize it and just do it. Yeah. It just, it just works. Whereas I'm very much more like, you know, like I said about problem solving, every trick is problem solving. And if I can pass off this knowledge and teach other people how to problem solve and be like, Hey, you know, let's, we talk a lot about, um, like filming yourself and it's like, you know, if you can film yourself and compare yourself to someone else that has the more proper form, you know, actually study it and pinpoint what you're doing wrong. And then the next time you go and try it, focus on that one thing, you know, maybe it's focus on thrusting your hips more forward when you initiate the spin or like, ex- like whatever you're doing, exaggerate it. 
and give yourself that to focus on, you know? That's awesome. I really like what you said about, about being able to, to, the satisfaction of helping people over the business. Cause I feel like everything I do is kind of the same way. Like the bike shop's great, but like helping people with bikes and taking them on rides and helping them like with the cornering or just basically like just being their buddy and riding bikes together is like so satisfaction for me, so much satisfaction that I feel like giving the people like the, the gift of riding bikes and join, join it, whatever it is. Um, that's definitely my thing for sure. No, exactly. Over, and over everything. That's kind of, that's what it, it should be. Like if you're kind of, I think if you're doing anything in the realm of riding bikes, the core of it should be, you want more people to get into it and more people to share what you love doing. Yeah. I'm like, less about the business, even though it's my business, but I'm more about the bike. Like yeah. the passion is everything. If I don't have passion, then, and then nobody's going to enjoy bikes around you. So that's the pretty cool. Um, and then, so you have how many videos now? 202. 202 videos. And what do I have? I had like, how many followers? Like six, I only have 6,497. I don't know. I mean, I don't really know YouTube followers, but it seems like a lot to me. I don't know. I have friends that have like 350,000. Is it? So. Oh. Yeah. What's it going to take to get there? Um, Probably not going six months in between videos sometimes because oh. I definitely do that. Um, I definitely, for a while I was doing it much more consistently. And then as I started doing bigger projects, um, you know, the thing about YouTube is a lot of times you get stuck making videos you don't actually want to make because you're worried about being consistent. So if you wanted to take, you know, maybe a month to do like an actual big video project with a different friend, or you want it like I have to do some weddings and I want to focus more on my riding. You know, you've got all these projects going on and, you know, I had bike school going on. So that was a lot. It's like when you spend so much time, you don't really want to just push out a, a random YouTube video just to do it. Sometimes when you're riding, you want to actually focus on riding and not filming a YouTube video. Juggling, man. Juggling's tough. Oh, it's, yeah. yeah it's, it's adulting. Major juggling. Yeah. And then a lot of times, like when you're filming like a bigger project, if you get kind of some kind of like brand to pick it up or you're doing it for a brand, it's not going on your own YouTube channel. It's going to go on theirs. Right. So it's it takes like, away, it takes away from your trying to help people, trying to coach people, trying to zoom meetings, trying to yeah. film, focus on your tricks, focus on whatever you're doing. Oh, it's no, I could see how that could be very time consuming, but I mean, it's what you love to do. So it's make it work. But do you ever, do you ever like have to, do you ever like make a video, see it take off and try to chase that like same, like, success that's that's a that's a tough one right like i did that with my instagram like with the shop like i make a video and it's like oh 1200 views like to me that's a lot i'm like oh i'll make something similar and then it's like oh 400 oh so yeah it's like no it's a weird it's a weird thing because definitely um you know if you made the same exact kind of content every video or your instagram was the same exact type of photo every time your following would grow much quicker because people know what they're getting. Like if they go to your feed or they go to your YouTube channel, they can see exactly what they're getting. And um, definitely if everything on my YouTube was all educational or all how-tos, my following would be much higher because they know every time they watch a video of mine or every time I put something out, it's going to have value for them. Whereas like, you know, if 80% of my videos are vlogs, 
They may not care that I am riding in Utah when all they care about is me doing slope stock competitions. You mean the, the crash videos don't don't do it? Uh, the crash videos do it. Uh, the go- people like GoPro videos, but like I have a video. Um, we did this like luge thing in in New Zealand, and it has like four hundred fifty thousand views. It just like blew up, and I just called it Mario Kart in real life. And it's like it's not a video I can recreate unless I go back to New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> That's I mean, there's algorithms probably and stuff too that help with that, but that yeah, you can't recreate that. I don't know. There's, I don't know the formula. I, I'm not really into it like that, but I know you got a lot of videos and all your little, like the little main screen is like always got something kind of cool. kind of brings you in, you know, ah, shit. <laughs> your face going into some, some mulch. Yeah. Yeah. The, the thumbnails are, yeah. are important. Yeah. That was a, I did a flip whip and I kicked the back wheel and I landed on my face and that's the beautiful the screen grab from the GoPro. That's, that's, I mean, that's kind of the way, way it's got to be, though, I mean, for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, some bullet points. I mean, you got, looks like uh, Nik- Nikolai, uh, you, you started following him at 10 years old, and then you, like, 10 years later, became friends. That's pretty cool. Um, you did a triple backflip one morning on a nitro circus ramp. <laughs> What's going on there? <laughs> yeah. The Nikolai thing or the triple backflip? I mean, I, mean, I, I mean, I think it's cool that you you became friends. That's That's a... That's definitely like a dream type thing for you, but like, I mean, let's talk about the triple backflip. That All right. I mean, I'm certain Nikolai knows, and everybody <laughs> respects him because he's a super awesome dude and is insane. But like, you did a triple backflip one morning on Nitro Circus ramp, and you weren't allowed to come back. Like, how did that? How did that happen? Oh yeah, so that sounds crazy. Um, basically, uh, after I put out that mega ramp video, um. I had switched to mountain bikes, and my friend Trevor Jacob, who is a used to be a Nitro Circus guy, he was the one who went off the ramp on the motorcycle to jump in that airbag and had to like kick off the tree. Mm. Um, I've known him for for a while. Uh, we stay in touch a little bit here and there, but back then, uh, he sent my video of the mega ramp and some other video clips of me, uh, like mid two thousand fifteen, into the Nitro Circus athlete manager. And then I got an email from the athlete manager kind of saying like, hey, you know, our roster is full right now for this year, but we'd love to get you on the ramp and practice and, you know, kind of work you, you know, kind of see how you do. Basically, like, you know, there was some hope that I was going to be able to do Nitro. That was like big dream. That would be amazing. And um, so finally, like a year later, when they set up the practice ramp, I went out there one day and they had the flat airbag set up. And I just I rode a bit. It was fun. Um, was too afraid to try the triple backflip into the flat bag. Um, the ramp setup that they had for the triple flip didn't look that good for it, and I didn't want to do it on the flat bag and like land on my face. I've never really tried to triple backflip anything. Uh, and then a week later, it was the day before I was supposed to fly to Virginia to visit my girlfriend, and I saw that they built a new triple flip ramp and they had the landing airbag set up. So it was a, it's a smaller airbag that's downsloped in the landing so you can actually ride out and ride away from it. And I saw like three dudes on Nitro on BMX bikes learn their, their first triple flip because the ramp was good. And I was like, oh, I need to do that. And so I hit up the athlete manager, and he said they would be out there at 8 a.m. the next day. So I packed my car 
for the airport with my bike in the car. That's drove awesome. at 8 a.m. to Paris, California. I was the first one there. It was me, Ryan Williams, Todd Main, and then Curtis Downs and Brandon Schmidt. And um, I helped them blow up the airbag for the landing. And then uh, first thing in the morning, hit the new triple flip ramp for the first time, double flipped it on the airbag lander, rode out, double flipped it again. So first two jumps in the morning. And then me and Todd Main played rock, paper, scissors to see. Oh, who you guys would, are ready. Yeah, to see who would try to triple yeah. flip first. Uh, he lost, so he had to try it first. And he, I think he over rotated or he might have let go. I don't know. Um, but then I tried my first one, went one, two, and then I thought I was going to under rotate on three, so I twisted and landed like flat on my side in the airbag and was seeing stars. Like it was, it was I mean, rough. It seemed like it wouldn't be that hard of a hit. I mean, those things pretty gnarly or what? Oh, it's gnarly. I yeah. would say because you think airbag, like, oh, it's no big deal. Oh, I would definitely say now, like, with the experience that I've had in airbags now, I'm more afraid to ride an airbag than I would be to just ride like a normal jump. What? That's like mind blowing. Like, I, everybody who would be listening to this probably would never think that. I would. Yeah, it's well. What 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 happens is if your wheels hit and you get whipped down, the wheels took all the air out of the bag, and then oh. you get whipped. Um, but also you're more likely to get tangled in an airbag. Like you could land straight and then your front wheel can get twisted in the bag. Or what happens sometimes is like, you'll go like face first into the bag and it'll almost like stick to your helmet and like twist you around. It basically, you lose the, the momentum that you would have on like a, a regular landing. And I, I'm honestly some, some airbags I'm terrified to ride. You can almost catch a bar end or something like, right. Yeah. Bad stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh dang! I, yeah, never would have thought that ever. Like, they don't. All the videos, they don't make you. They don't give you that sensation. Like that's the case. Like, yeah. you never watch an airbag landing, and they're like, you're like, oh, that was. They just landed on. Oh, cool! They rode out. They they got it, and walked away. No big deal. But then you saying this is like mind blowing. No, to me. the the big big flat ones, like the big huge forty foot flat ones. Those ones are nice. There's uh, almost no impact. But if they're smaller. Or they're set up like a landing, they're stiff and they are not that thick. So there's they're not all airbags are created equal. Let's go with that. I could just imagine like your face landing on a tarp and just like melting down it. Like that's how it yeah, feels. Pretty like, much what it feels like. Yeah. yeah. Oh. And so, anyways, crashed, was seeing stars. By the time I walked the six stories back up to the top, wasn't seeing stars anymore. Tried it again, landed, feet blew off, did like a front flip when I landed. And then third try, buzzed my buzzed my butt on the tire off the lip and was gonna let go. And mid second flip, I could hear Brandon Schmidt who had my phone filming. He says, "That's it." He yells, "That's it!" And so I held on and I landed it. That's sick. Landed it third try. Threw my bike in the car. Drove to LAX. Left the car for two weeks in the back of the car in the LAX parking lot. And. Uh, Flew to the East Coast, and um, yeah, I sent that video to the athlete manager of me doing the triple flip because I was like, oh, yeah, like, and I I don't mind saying this because that athlete manager doesn't work for Nitro anymore, um, but yeah, I sent it to him, super pumped. I was like, this is my in for Nitro Circus, and uh, he responded, and he said, cool, glad you had fun. 
Never heard from the dude again. Oh, dang. Yeah, he was. I don't think he was very stoked. Burn. Yeah. Sick burn. Oh. Well, I mean, it's just a cool experience. I mean, yeah, no. Yeah, it was still, meant to be. It was so cool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're doing well now. So that's that's crazy, man. It's cool. Cool stories. I mean, it's. Can you imagine, like, just like you doing, like, little, like, you know, going to, to Woodward, just doing, you know, just learning some things to on a nitro circus ramp like how cool is that like yeah it's, it's wild a, it's a dream man it's a dream for people to to be able to do do that like yeah you've definitely been blessed like driving driving around your van traveling to europe uh, i mean it's i mean you got you got on here in new zealand uh switzerland i mean those are places you've seen in videos that like people just like you know over i mean whistler is a huge place to go but like to ride those places. That's super rad. I'm sure you said it's your favorite place to go is like Switzerland or something. So, but yeah, it's not cheap to be there for sure. Uh, Switzerland's expensive. Uh, I like just to be there. Uh, but the mountain biking in New Zealand is unreal. I've never been to Whistler. Never been to Whistler. Never oh, been to man. Whistler. I need to go three times. It's never been It's the best. I mean, I haven't been to Switzerland. So, but I mean, there's also like lost Lake, which is next to the bike park up there. So it's like a, bike playground so you have the park you have mountain biking to me it's the best place yeah i've just i've never been to any of like the the bc area like i need to get up there yeah i did some north shore stuff with the cove guys that scared the crap out of me like 12 15 feet in the air on these skinny bridges oh with, yeah that's like that cheese grater be my thing in the snow <laughs> yeah and i show up there with clipless pedals on my downhill bike and they're like Mm-mm. <laughs> they hand me a set of like like loner flats and they made me buy some five tens. It's my intro to five tens. Yeah. They're like, you're not riding clips up here. We're going to be, you're not going to do it. Like, and then I get up there and I'm in the snow and I'm like 10, 12, 15 feet out in the air, riding these like wood berms and cheese grater looking down, like basically like crapping myself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That was an experience for sure. Not the best, but I'm glad I did it. Um, so what's this contest you did? It was Macedonia. Oh yeah. The, Funniest, best, worst experience of your life. Let's 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 get into some of that good stuff. I want to I want to get into that, and then maybe some other funny stuff that you did that you'd like to share that just were just like you just look back, you're like, oh my god, that was hilarious. Like, let's tell a couple stories. So Macedonia, I say best worst because it was the worst contest experience ever, but it was so funny, and it's like one of my favorite stories to tell. And do it. all the riders who were there, it's all of our like favorite thing. Uh, basically we all got this invite in 2015 to go to a silver event in Macedonia. Uh, you know, big points, big prize purse, 30 of us were invited. And so 30 of us showed up and, uh, it was supposed to be practice Thursday, Friday contest, Saturday. Uh, me and some of the French riders got there Tuesday. So we could have like a day to explore Wednesday. And when you Google Scopier Macedonia, you get big old statues on Google Images. You get big buildings. It's total like looks like touristy city. It's not. Hmm. Um, it's fake. Uh, when you look at the city, when you're standing there from one side, it looks like that. But all of the buildings are unfinished. There's just a bunch of scaffolding around the other sides. Oh, no. And there's this big uh, yeah. river. There's a big river under this cobblestone bridge, except the river is not a real river. There was tractors down there still trying to dig the river out. And uh, the statues, I guess, were all built in the last, like, 20 years. And the there's this, like, 50-foot-tall statue of this dude on a horse. And the English translation of what the statue's name is is Man on a Horse. 
Oh, geez. And so we had this girl who lives there giving us a tour, and she's like, yeah, none of this means anything. She's like, they just tried to make it look like a touristy. They wanted to make it into a tourist city, and they ran out of money. That's hilarious. And so the contest was in front of this huge shopping mall. It's like one of the biggest in the world. It is. It's there. It's real. It's very nice. But otherwise, it's like third world country, the rest of the, the town. Um, it's crazy how they get to put something like that in. Yeah, it was super trippy. And anyways, we get to this hotel room and, you know, I have my bike and my other bag and I get an elevator and, you know, European elevators, you can barely fit in there. Get to the get to the top of the elevator. Let's me out on the fifth floor. I'm on the sixth floor. The elevator didn't even go to the sixth floor. What? No. Oh. So I had to walk my bike all the way up to the sixth floor. And I think I'm the only person on the sixth floor. My room was literally the width of a twin bed with a little bit of standing room on each oh, side. Man. It was like this little L shape. That's great. And so I basically had bathroom, bike bag storage, and bed. <sighs> and that was it. It was the only only thing. And, How did you uh, get screwed? I don't know. <laughs> Wi-Fi didn't reach up there. Like it was it was terrible. All my other friends, like all everybody else, they had like regular looking hotel rooms with like two beds and I had like this little like attic space is what it seemed like. Dude, that's hilarious. And uh, yeah, so then we chilled Wednesday. Like I said, that's when we got the tour of that city and then went to this flea market. It was pretty crazy. And then uh, Thursday we show up for the for practice and there's no jumps. What? There's no jumps. Oh there's, my goodness. There's a couple piles of dirt, but like nothing has been shaped and like the scaffolding for the rolling is like just kind of started. And so we just went and got some beers and went back to the hotel and just like drank beer the rest of the day. What the hell? Yeah. It was like, wild. So they invited 30 professional athletes to for a jump contest and they have piles of dirt. Yeah, yeah there's nothing yet. Oh. And so then Friday, Friday, by Friday morning or Friday afternoon, they were finishing the course. There so was they're getting it together. Yeah, they were getting it together. Um, but the the roll in for the step down, the first feature, uh, a step down, the roll into a step down lip for like a thirty five foot step down only needs to be about eight feet tall. You don't need much speed yeah. or eight feet taller than the lip. You get like a half crank in, maybe a full crank, a little pump, and you jump. This thing was sixty feet tall. And you had 40 feet of running to the, to the lip. Way too much speed. Oh, yeah. We told the, the guy who built the course. He was a British dude. We said, hey, uh, there's way too much speed here. You, you're not going to be able to do this. And he's like, no, no, I built it. I'm going to show you. All right. <laughs> and we're like, you better drag brake down oh. that whole thing. And he's like, no, no, I think it'll be fine. No brakes. He goes up there, and we're all standing there with our phones ready to film. And we're just standing there, not padded up, just like this is not going to go well. And he rolls in, no brakes, hits the step down lip, flies all the way over the landing, lands flat on like this brick ground, shatters his eye socket, KOs himself, like just obliterates himself. And so then we all just kind of sat there. It kind of goes with the theme, right? Oh, yeah. And we just sat there for a while. A couple hours went by and we're like, so what are we going to do? You know, contest tomorrow. (laughs) And... So then two mountain bike riders, Daryl Brown and Matt Jones, uh, you know, Matt Jones, big YouTuber now, and they go up to the top. They play rock, paper, scissors. Matt Jones loses. And so he drags brake all the way down. That's hilarious. Let's go. It's too much. Still goes too far. Knocks (laughs) himself out. Breaks the Red Bull helmet. No way. Yep. Oh, that sucks. And so then Daryl Brown walks down 
the roll in. So, and then it worked. So basically when we were practicing that night, we had to walk six stories up the stairs and then walk down the actual roll in itself. It's too much. About 40 feet. And then we had to start on like a slant sideways and like hop in and the step down lip, you know, we're flipping this, we're spinning it. It's literally a piece of wood tie down strapped to two pallets. Oh my! It is not a ramp. And then the the next best part, there was a 30 foot jump, a 20 foot jump and a 15 foot jump. You know, it's a pretty normal, it's a 10 meter, 7.5 and five. Right. And, um, Every jump had the same lip, same radius, same height, and everything. So the first jump was 30 feet, but it had a radius for like a 15-foot box jump. So you hit it, and you just G'd out. So it was like the gnarliest contest to ride. 30 showed up, 14 rode the event. Jesus. Like, it was just so... Some of the guys just threw the towel in. They're like... Yeah, people threw the towel in. We had broken forks. People got hurt. Like, Well, at that point, you're just like, this is a joke. Oh yeah. <laughs> like this is a joke. Like, I mean, cool experience, of course, because that's you don't probably don't think about it at the time, maybe, but hindsight, like Oh, we knew it was a joke. We spent a lot of time in the mall bowling. Oh yeah. Uh, when it was supposed to be practice, we were bowling instead. And so it's vacation time. Yeah. yeah. And the best part is that the joke didn't end until the next day because so big after party, you know, it's big after party. Oh, yeah. And um you know, they hand us all these wristbands. They're like, hey, if you want to get in anybody into the after party, you know, give them these, give them these wristbands. And uh, what they didn't tell us is that that was the only marketing for the party. You know, we're in Macedonia. We don't know anybody. Who we're supposed to invite? So when we got there, it was just like the 15 of us riders. <laughs> they didn't actually put out flyers or anything for this party. So it was literally just us at the party. And they're like, oh, you didn't, you didn't bring anybody? No. <laughs> You don't know you anybody. Was, you said it was a big party. So, yeah. And I had flipped the step down uh, to flat earlier, and I buzzed my butt on the tire and, like, ripped a bunch of skin off, like, oh. the tailbone area. And uh, What a trip. So I was pretty much, like, bleeding all over my, my pants, and it was, oh. like, it was just gross. I mean, you had to sit in an airplane. Sit in an airplane for, like, 15 hours. Oh, very God. uncomfortable. It was, like, pus, like, coming through the jeans. Like, man. It was, it was a crazy five who, days. Who put that event on? Some uh, it was like Macedonia Extreme or something. It was so some, it wasn't, okay. Macedonia so it wasn't anybody but them, basically. Yeah, but what's crazy because they got all the FMB licensing. They gave out the FMB prize purse. Like it was full legit, but it just wasn't. It Who was won? Uh, Nuno, Nuno Pintas, the guy from uh, Portugal. He rode that course like it was good. It really? made no sense. Yeah, he full on like rode it like, and he I think he rides a lot of like subpar stuff um but he's a very very talented bike rider he literally made us all look stupid that day like he wrote it like they were good jumps like we don't even understand i think that just makes it even sweeter the story you know like yeah after everything like yeah one guy is like yeah this is great yeah he was he was just taking lap after lap after lap like he's like doing triple trucks on this jump that we're all only flipping because of how gnarly the G out was like we do flip combos, but he's the only one spinning it. Like that's got to tell you something. Oh yeah. Like that's, <laughs> that's pretty awesome. What, anything else that stands out that you got? That, um, any funny stories, anything else that you might want to share? I mean, obviously we're just winging it here. This yeah. is off the cuff, but, um, I mean, 
if you go to feasts in France, funny things always happen. Like everyone goes to this Australian bar after the, after the event or like each day, because feast is like a five day event. Every day, everyone goes to the Aussie bar or the Irish bar, or you go from the Aussie bar and then it closes and then you go to the Irish bar. But um, there is in, you know, I've never directly been a part of this, um, but other riders definitely have. Yeah. Uh, There's definitely, I've definitely seen a car flipped over in the parking lot from people who get out of the club. Like they get out of the, the bar and then they're upset that it's closed. I've seen a car flipped. I've seen a car burned to the ground. Like they full on lit a car in the parking lot on fire. Dang. Um, I've seen, uh, I was with my friends and we were like throwing beer bottles, like across the, where the wakeboard event was like in the middle of the night and we see security. So we start running across this bridge. Turns out there's another security guard waiting for us. And the last one of my friends in line just gets side tackled by security and just flattened. And then, He's like yelling at him in French, so we had to get a French rider to come over and talk to the security so he could hop over the fence and sneak out. Like, I could imagine that, like, when you got a bunch of, I don't know, I think BMXers are kind of, or BMX, you know, guys who transition to mountain bikes, or they're kind of rebels in a sense. I'd imagine, like, oh, yeah, you're not, you know, white collar accountants, like, you know, <laughs> so. You, you're gonna have shenanigans. Like, I mean, I I've had my share of shenanigans on trips because I'm not like that either. Like, starting giant food fights and things. So, um, that's that's gotta be part of the fun. Is the shenanigans hanging out with a bunch of guys that are wild and yeah. Oh yeah, and you knew I knew from my first my first experience that uh, in my very first contest in Austria, you knew you know because I didn't really know what to expect, and it's Saturday night. They had just done qualifiers, and finals is the next day. But the big riders party Saturday night, and finals is Sunday. So you're thinking, okay, it's going to be kind of mellow. Nobody's going to be out there. Well, it's a Red Bull event, so we get picked up in a Red Bull double-decker bus, and they we have free Red Bull vodka, and they're driving us around for what seems like two hours. And I'm like, dude, how far is this place? You know, I found out the next morning that we literally just drove in circles around Vienna. That's awesome. While we were getting drunk. Cause the, the, uh, the bar that they dropped us off at was only about a five minute walk from where we <laughs> got picked up. And I didn't figure that out till the next morning. Um, but yeah, just every rider that's in finals out there partying until 4am finals at 10. Yeah. And oh, it's just I don't like, even know how they do it. You just knew like from, from that moment I was like, Oh, this is just how it goes. That probably like, accelerated. You're like, I want to do this for sure. This is a blast. Oh, yeah, because it's yeah. the whole thing. It's like you work real hard, you practice, you do all your scary stuff, and then it's just kind of party time after that. And, you know, I won one party. I think it was the next party after that one at another event. I watched Sam Pilgrim hit a dude with a bar stool, and he full-on had it, and he had the cushion side up, and he looked at it, and he flipped it over so that he was holding the cushion side and hit the guy <laughs> with the legs. And That's uh, awesome. Yeah, it was probably like 3 a.m., and this little VIP section. And then the and next day, no problem, got up and just handled the business. No, him and Matt Jones, the next day, did the Red Bull World of Run. What? Yeah, they ran like 20 miles the next day. It's like superhuman status. Yeah, they're I, like built of something else. Like, yeah, certain people are like that. I can't even imagine. Yeah, I, I have can't. a couple beers, and the next day I'm like, oh, uh, yeah. Not just, you know, not in no shape to do anything like that. No, even me at 26 now, like, you know, Reed just got third at Rampage and, 
We were like, oh, going to Vegas tomorrow. We're going to see Machine Gun Kelly. Big celebration. Me, my girlfriend, Reed, his girlfriend. We were asleep by 2 o'clock. Concert ended at like 11. We made it from the concert to McDonald's. And then we slowly made our way home. We were like, yeah, it's, that's fine. Yes. We're, we're tired. But it's cool. You've got, you've got all those experiences under your belt. Like You've seen a lot. You've had a lot of fun. And uh, it, it's super cool. Man, it's, I don't know. Definitely a dream for a lot of people to be able to do crap like that and have fun. And now you're just, uh, you know, shooting videos and hanging with your friends and riding and trying to juggle all that, right? Like that's kind of the hard part now of being a little bit more, a little older, having a little more, uh, I guess, responsibility, I guess, with your van, trying to keep that together. That's got to be tough, right? I mean, all that fun's kind of a little bit subdued, I guess, but you still think you got a lot in you, right? I mean, it's kind of the... Yeah, I kind of feel like now that I've transitioned a bit away from slope style. Um, you know, the hope is that bike school, uh, can, can fund the, the future bike riding stuff. Uh, cause the, the hard part that I ran into with weddings was, um, you know, those couple weeks before you shoot a wedding is very hard to be progressive on the bike because you were worried about getting hurt. You know, someone's relying on you to shoot their wedding. It's going to happen. Uh, time one time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like now, now you think about the risk kind of involved. And when I'm in the mode, like when I'm in the zone, I don't think about it. When I'm in the mode, like, you know, I, I'll go to Utah and have a heavy two weeks and then immediately go home and shoot a wedding. Like if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Um, but no, it's just like, it's kind of very, I would say each month, sometimes each week, Sometimes each section of the year, I kind of have to like really split it up like on paper. I almost have to be like, okay, these, this like month for four weeks out of this month, like this solid month is reserved for bike riding. Then I'm going to like, I'm going to do these three weddings for three weeks. I'm going to, you know, take a break, let my body heal from whatever trauma I went through that month. And then, then the next three weeks are all bikes, not thinking about anything else. Like I kind of have to like really plan it out and section it because if I'm like, Oh, I'm riding this week, but I'm also working on this project. It doesn't, it doesn't really work. I can't, I'm not that good at like time management because I'll spend the entire time that I'm supposed to be, you know, editing a project worrying about what I'm going to do on the bike tomorrow. So I'm, I have to like really section it out. Yeah. It's part of being a dull man and have goals and try to, can't just live it by the cuff anymore. It's a little bit different when you got a business going and yeah. things going. So I think that's a good transition um, into a part two. Um, I'm going to wrap it up right there and uh, we'll come back, come back to you with part two on, um, I see some more exciting stuff with rampage and more about Nick. <laughs>